You may not know the technology, but you can learn the technology. You may not know the tech stack, but you can learn the tech stack. But we can only do that if we are in the same mindset. Like if you are uh, very stuck in your own way of thinking and not willing to adapt to uh, focus on something else, for example, or uh, to uh, accept a new way of solving a problem, that's a lot harder to fix than, I don't know, you using C Sharp and uh, us using Python. Because there are ways to, to overcome technical challenges. There are very few ways to overcome social challenges. Welcome, Bogdan. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Bogdan, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I mean, how did you start your career and how did you manage actually to, to enter the B2B SaaS space? And then we will also see what do you particularly do with code? Well, I've been uh, starting, uh, I started programming and playing around with computers uh, ever since uh, high school. And... Uh, Also, I had a lot of endeavors like photography, uh, design, and stuff like that. And um, in high school, uh, actually, I volunteered to a lot of uh, projects, a lot of co collaborations with our high school and a lot of local businesses with various partnerships and stuff like that. Um, afterwards, when I when I reached college, uh, I continued to be involved in a lot of Uh, projects, a lot of um, partnerships, and uh, one thing led to another, and uh, I uh, helped uh, a pre-accelerator program called Innovation Labs uh, to uh, develop with uh, marketing and uh, web uh, website and technical support. And uh, during this program, uh, Chris, uh, who had a lot of experience in uh, the and testing and cybersecurity space, wanted uh, to build a new startup with a new vision on what cybersecurity and pen testing is. And uh, that's how I uh, got involved and uh, that's how we started to build this company. You, you had this entrepreneurial spirit from the very beginning, from this high school years, correct? Yes, so, yes, and, yes. And then you moved to... So you had the commercial, if you want side of the whole thing to understand and to want to build businesses but then during the accelerator you moved into more technical stuff correct do i have a good understanding uh yes my parents actually uh, have a lot of uh, endeavors uh, like small shops cafes stuff like that so i get i got a taste on what mean what it means to work for your own business ever since i was a, a little kid And uh, that spirit stuck with me up until today. So, Bogdan, that's really important. Do you think that this is not a prerequisite, but do you think that this is something that you have it as a heritage, the fact that you were born in a family where your parents uh, had the business and you understood how the business operates from the very beginning and how do they make money? Do you think that this is something, do you find it, as an entrepreneur, do you find it important in your journey? I think it's uh, something that you, if you don't find it important, you learn that it is important because uh, the purpose of a business, first and foremost, is to bring value. And through that value, you uh, find the ways to monetize that so that you can progress and help out 
fixing the problem because that's the point of a business, right? To Correct. fix someone's problem and get paid for that. Exactly. And I like the simplicity. So if I can ask, when was the first time that you added value to someone else commercially? Well, actually, uh, in my first year of college, uh, me with uh, two other uh, colleagues, we set up a small business. We called it Brand Year. And uh, the point was that we would try to offer um, technical and branding support for small businesses like marketing, uh, stuff like Google Maps was uh, growing really big uh, then and few people knew what the exact process of publishing your business to Google Maps and interacting with your clients over there was. So we we offered services uh, for that. And um, I think that was uh, something that, uh, that was my first foray into an actual business. I did do collaborations and like fundraising and volunteering work before. But that was the first actual uh, foray into a business which we wanted to make it to be sustainable and uh, productive. But that was not the first time that you made money out of a business. That was the first time that you actually sold something. Yes, yes. Actually, I did, uh, ever since high school, I did uh, do a lot of freelancing projects and the freelancing work, but that was like only me. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, there were like very small presentation websites or uh, setting up emails or setting up printers, stuff like that for various businesses. And uh, it wasn't really for pay because I don't know, I did three projects so I could buy a guitar. So not a lot of money, but yeah. uh, it's helped me a lot in learning that uh, I can do whatever I want if I can put my mind to it. And uh, if I can manage to find something that I want to do and something that someone else needs help with, I can, uh, I can uh, help a lot with that. And I suppose that's, that's probably the most important, important lesson of entrepreneurship. And you learn this uh, on your own. Uh, thank you for this uh, uh, introduction. And the... Regarding Coda, the whole thing started when you joined the Accelerator and you met your co-founder, correct? Yes, yes. So what, what, what actually, what did he sell to you? I mean, what was the, uh, his vision? What was his mission statement that you found it uh, useful and said, okay, let's, let's well, follow him, let's uh, build this together? Well, he uh, has a lot of uh, experience in uh, the cybersecurity space. He has worked with a lot of pen testing groups and uh, security analysts, stuff like that. And uh, during his work, he realized that uh, there was a gap in the market. Like security services were either for big corporate uh, institutions with a lot of budgets and uh, uh, huge teams that can on, do only security, but or either uh, that or small shops like one or two PCs which only have an antivirus and the firewall. And that's it. But there was this big gap in the middle where uh, it wasn't covered. Like uh, there were companies which offered uh, MSP services which also tried like, okay, we'll install an antivirus, something like that. But there wasn't something dedicated for this. 
So the initial idea of Coda was to develop a software which would pull down the technical team that large corporations have into a software where a small to medium-sized business can use okay. to manage all the security security uh, related challenges. And Bogdan, you decided to follow the your co-founder on this mission due to the fact that he was a domain expert, so it was his domain expertise and his confidence that came along, or it was the business opportunity that was clear to you because you had built this entrepreneurial spirit? Well, it was a bit of both. Um, I uh, had trust in Chris that he knows uh, what uh, he's talking because he has a lot of uh, domain experience, but Uh, after uh, our initial discussion, I could understand that, okay, there is an opportunity in this space. And that was confirmed like a couple of years later where other big uh, software competitors in this area also started to look at this market. Yeah. So I, uh, it was more of a gut feeling, but uh, I think it paid off. On an individual level, did you make any steps to validate this business opportunity did you work on the side for example okay chris told me that there is opportunity we could work together but as an independent person as bogdan did you try to validate the whole thing or you just follow the whole thing well um i did have experience with uh working with small companies and i did see that uh there were security challenges over there we Mm -hmm. actually i had a client who i worked with with had the cyber attack and like they got uh, issues with ransomware software. So I could see uh, that there were issues where small to medium sized businesses didn't know how to handle. Like in that case, they got lucky because they had uh, data backed up and just purchased new computers because they didn't know that they could just format it. But uh, uh, I, once I felt that there would be a, a market opportunity there. Uh, I can't say that I was for, for surely certain. And that proved to be uh, something that I felt right because uh, down the road, we pivoted and we switched a lot uh, of our focus. And I think that's one of the main things in a startup. You have to be prepared to challenge your uh, challenge your certainties, challenge the things that you know for a fact, I don't know, that the close button should be red. Maybe not. Maybe, I don't know, someone in Asia thinks that the close button should be green because of culture, because of uh, history, because of, I don't know, a lot of reasons. I'm extrapolating here, but exaggeration just to make a point. <laughs> yeah, that's that was, uh, that was a good analogy. So I was keeping this question about the key takeaway from your entrepreneurial journey so far. I was keeping this for the end, but it's a good opportunity that you just mentioned uh, this now. So is it open-mindedness the main, let's say, the core attribute that uh, entrepreneurs should uh, should have? To yes, be open-minded certainly. and not be stubborn on, uh, on their initial ideas? Certainly, certainly. Um... I have always been open-minded and always willing to challenge my my convictions. But uh, during the development, the the work we had to build uh, Coda, we saw this firsthand. Like 
uh, our main clients are from uh, the United States and just the cultural differences impact your vision of what the problem is a lot. And if you do not communicate, if you do not uh, require feedback constantly from your clients, you do not know what their problems are. Simple, yep. thing, simple things like, uh, I don't know, the buttons being on the left side or on the right side. So never mind the big picture of what is your software, what is your problem, what, what are you solving? Uh, even small stuff, you have to be careful to challenge yourself every day, regardless of, uh, I don't know, if it's some world-changing idea or where you put the button or if you yeah. put the border on it or not. Bogdan, this, this kind of mindset that everything is a, an iterative process uh, from the product, from the problem statement, from everything. Um, was it something that you had it uh, inherited from uh, the business that uh, you had interacted with in the past or was it something that you learned from uh, the accelerator because you, you spent time there and um, I mean, what, what was... Did you have it as a mindset from the very beginning or is it something that you studied somewhere or you learned it or you read it somewhere? Well, uh, it was certainly an experience to learn it. Uh, I don't think that it comes naturally, but I do think that it can be learned. Uh, the accelerator also helped us a lot in learning stuff like uh, what is your market fit? What is your time to uh, MVP? What are your minimum goals to consider yourself successful? Stuff like that, which we had no idea that we have to think about. We just thought like, hey, build a great product and show it to people and it will sell. It doesn't really work that way. It uh, matters a lot how you show it to people and what you market it as and uh, how flashy it is of all things. Like we we were uh, in the accelerator, the after you get the, through the first stages, you go to a hackathon and you have to build a prototype of your app in 24 hours. At the end of those 24 hours, uh, where we worked at a real life product, which actually did stuff, we started to panic as we were looking at the other teams and they were just very chill and they just built a fancy, uh, I don't know, uh, display page. And that was it. They were playing the guitar and making jokes and stuff like that. And we were like, we built this awesome thing, which generated the topology of your network and uh, auto detected a lot of stuff. Like we were, we built something really cool, but something that only a, an engineer could appreciate mm, because mm. we didn't have the flashiness. We didn't present the information that we gather in a way that every man can understand. So that pushed us like in three or four hours that we have left to build a simple dashboard that summarizes all the things that we built in 20 hours. Mm. And uh, that quick thinking and quick switch of focus helped us to actually uh, win an award for uh, best presentation at that hackathon. So nice. quick thinking quick switching of focus, like it was completely different from what we had planned, but we had to react quickly. And that's something that has been a constant in the more than 10 years that I've been here. Nice. Bogdan, tell us about Coda, about how Coda was in the very beginning, 
uh, how the products uh, used to work and how after all these pivots, how does Coda operate at this stage on a high level? Our initial uh, idea was to do an end-to-end pen testing platform. Like, I know you're a small business, you would enter your email address to be scanned and we would automatically detect uh, related servers, your presentation websites, uh, other services that you might use, stuff like that. And we would aggregate those and give you a list of, look what we found. We think that you should focus on these three things. So like uh, a pen testing report, but instead of being a huge Excel file, you would have like uh, two or three key points extracted and just go from there. Down the line, we understood that uh, the market requires a more complete solution. Something that, for example, um, some people love to just be able to install something on your computer and just do the magic. We had to pivot to do that. Uh, we had clients, large clients, who wanted to basically do the scans. We, we sold this thing as you set it once and forget about it. You just get the alerts as you go. We had clients who want to do uh, periodic uh, reports. I don't want you to continuously scan my, my infrastructure. I want you to scan it periodically. Uh, I want you to uh, not give me a report with just the highlights. I want you to give me the most in-depth things that you can. Uh, I want your product as it is, but I want to sell it as my own. Stuff like that. So we had to integrate all of these changes. And it's it's been pretty hard to decide which is important and which is not. Yep. But uh At the end of the day, each client has uh, its own needs and you have to accommodate them, even if this strays a bit from your original vision. We wanted to sell something that was a package solution. One click, go, you're done. And we have developed in a a white labeling solution, which you can deploy on your own, in your network, on your devices. So every use case that you have we can do that. We are not as focused as we were at the beginning, but this is where the market took us. Okay, so practically from, let's say, from uh, one-click experience, you move to something more configurable, more customizable, depending on the needs of your customers. Exactly. Uh, And the question here is, was it a challenge? I mean, when you're trying to serve too many different uh, customers with different needs, was it a challenge or you start? You decided to start having a little bit wider approach on the market? It is still a challenge because <laughs> um, there are clients whose requests uh, go against each other. So one client would like something that is one click. One client wants something that is extremely configurable. And you have to meet both those needs because that's what the needs are. So you can't change those. Uh, and what we resorted doing is basically building uh, our application as modules, like Lego blocks, which you can mix and match however however you want. So if you want something that's more easier to use, something that's simpler, okay, you can go do that. If you want all of all of the infrastructure in your own infrastructure, so that 
I don't know, we don't leak anything or use public cloud providers or stuff like that. Sure, you can do that. Uh, that's why, for example, we uh, avoid as much as we can any vendor lock-in. We don't use proprietary technologies like uh, Azure Cloud or AWS or Google Cloud. We can run on everything because we do not depend on everything on anything. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's, that's the right thing. That's yeah. the right strategy to do to to be independent in terms of tools and platforms. Uh, so Bogdan, as as I, as far as I understood. The mission remained this, the same. So practically to help mid-sized companies with the security stuff. But the way you deliver the, uh, uh, the solution changed. So from uh, one-click experience into something more modular and more configurable. That's, that's the idea, correct? Yes, exactly. And tell us how the product now works. I mean, let's assume that, um, first of all, as I, as I understood, you mainly work with mid-sized market mid-sized uh, commerce, correct? Yes, yes. How do we, you define this mid-market? What, what is mid-market for Coda? Well, uh, we consider it as 100 to 500 employees, stuff like that. Um, we also changed down the road our business model. Instead of us uh, offering the product to the direct end clients and user clients, we uh, formed the network of partners and they then uh, provide Coda as uh, a security offering in their portfolio. So uh, we have partnered with a lot of MSPs and they offer our services, our, our platform as part of their services. That means that they can customize everything from the reports to the platform to suit their branding, to suit their uh, design language. and uh, especially being a small team, this has helped us uh, enormously because a lot of the support uh, logistics, for example, uh, they have taken into and any support ticket that gets to us, it's a real issue. Like it's not something like I forgot my password. Okay, yeah. they can manage that. If it's something that, I don't know, a feature request, a new report, uh, some issues or something like that, that gets to us through the MSP. They also have insights on how the clients are using and can provide us feedback and we can create that feedback loop and improve the product even further. So this is something that at the beginning we never managed, imagined that we can do, but we have been led to that by the, the seeing what the, how the market works. And we yeah. actually think that's what, one of the reasons where why this place was left untouched for so long in terms of security is that uh, there was no one who could bridge the gap between small businesses and the a cybersecurity firm. And how did you manage to do so? To bridge this uh, gap? Yeah, we didn't uh, start thinking with uh, going through this idea in mind. We actually had one of our first clients who offered uh, this idea to us, like, hey, let me manage the the sales for uh, my clients, but I need to sell this as my own. We were a bit skeptical at the beginning because we were like, hey, it's not what we intended to do. But down the road, it proved that it was the right choice. Um, yeah. After we saw with one of our partners that this worked and it's um, 
allowed us to focus on our product more. Then we started looking for partners in this area, partners which uh, are looking uh, looking to uh, join the cybersecurity space with an offering, but do not have the expertise or the uh, security teams or stuff like that. So they can plop in a footprint, have one or two security guys. That's all you need. And you can now offer security services to your clients. I think that the partnership side and uh, the go-to-market side is super interesting, super important. And I would like to to take some uh, uh, takeaways from your experience so far. Uh, but before that, uh, let's let's let me understand a little bit about your core offering at the, at this stage as as uh, as Coda. What is the core use case that you focus on? What is the core problem that these mid-sized companies uh, solve through your platform through your tool? Well, the core problem is the fact that, uh, especially in uh, small to mid-sized businesses, they uh, have a hard time of uh, knowing where they are on a security uh, spectrum. Like, how exposed am I? And you you can uh, solve that in a number of ways. You can request a pen test assessment, which costs quite a lot and uh, gets you back a report, but that's a, a snapshot in time. With uh, Coda, you sign up to a security platform which continuously scans and updates you on your security issues. So that's the main thing, that we do this continuously instead of like snapshot in time, which, I don't know, six months, one year down the road might not be up to date. Another thing that we do is that we always stay on top of new threats. Like uh, if something comes up in 48 hours, it's already detected by Coda. Like I'm talking zero days exploits or uh, new vulnerabilities, new kinds of attacks. We also do analysis on configuration options. So we do not, uh, you might have, I don't know, a server which is vulnerable to something, but because that server is in a private network and it uh, has certain configuration options activated, we can determine the fact that, oh, wait, this is vulnerable, but due to your specific situation, you're actually not vulnerable to something, to, mm-hmm. I don't know, a certain CVE or something. Bogdan, you, you are based in Bucharest in Romania, and you said in the very beginning that most of your customers at the moment are coming from uh, the US. Yes. Um, I would like to have uh, your thoughts on this. I mean, what was the initial go-to-market strategy that you had? How did you think with your co-founder how you will go after the market? Was it part of your plan to go after the U.S.? Was it something that happened uh, organically? Uh, how did you come up with the partners? Because as far as I understood, the main uh, go-to-market channel for you are the partners that you have. Um, so give us a little bit uh, more context on this. How did you initially craft your go-to-market strategy? Was it the U.S. part of your strategy? The fact that you are based in Romania, was it a, a blocking point or was it an asset? Send yeah, your thoughts and your experience on this. We actually planned for U.S. customers uh, from the very beginning because we knew that uh, the U.S. market is um, more uh, open and uh, wider to, to get into. Uh, we initially had a partner here in Romania, which helped us a lot with the initial development and to prove that 
our product works. And uh, you know, the Innovation Labs program also helped us with uh, contacts and uh, uh, helping steps to, to get to the market. The first client was a lot uh, harder to get, but once you get the ball rolling, it gets a lot easier. How did you find your first customer? We... Actually, they found us. <laughs> uh, <That> is... <laughs> uh, yes, uh, they found us. Uh, we went to a lot of uh, projects like for startups. After Innovation Labs, we went to the Imagine Cup, uh, uh, Microsoft project. We went to a lot of other uh, small to big competitions, startups. And uh, one of the the first partners uh, members was in the audience and they reached out to us and said, Hey, I like what you're doing here. Let's try to, to make something work. And we were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's go. So it was, yeah, pure luck, as you said. <laughs> and how did you finally build the channel with the partners? How practically worked and how does it work at this stage in terms of, um, uh, uh, training, onboarding a new partner in terms of uh, revenue share or I don't know what what is the business model but I would like to understand how did you come up with the partnership model how the partnership model works in terms of the operation but also in terms of on the revenue side well we um, have uh, like from the beginning we uh, use a semi-standard uh, revenue model like we charge per device scanned um, the partnership program is um, we we supply a lot of training uh, materials for the MSP for our partners in regards to how the platform works, to the functionalities, to the accessibility of the platform. Uh, we also have an open API which the partners can use to develop their own integrations with their own software and platform applications, and. Uh, we can set up the, the platform either in our own cloud or on their own cloud. Uh, they cover the costs and we take a cut of uh, what the platform actually works on. Um, the end user um, can either log on through directly to our platform or we have partners who have uh, separate portals that pull in data from our platform. So. Uh, if they already have a database of clients which have internet assets and stuff like that, they can feed that to our platform. We do the scanning, the reporting, stuff like that job and feed it, feed that back to, to the end user client. So as I said, uh, there are a lot of uh, flexible use cases and we always communicate on the case by case basis. So we do not have a one thing does it all solution. Yeah. We, every time we have a new partner, we talk to them. How do you want to integrate? Do you want to have your end user clients log into the platform? Yes or no? Do you want to access it through an API? Do you want us to? We also have clients who uh, just want the reports. So we have a manual script. We have the, the their services scanned. And we have a manual script which automatically downloads their reports and mails them to them quarterly or monthly or however they want. So Bogdan, all these partners are technical partners, integration partners. So you build something with them or you just connect with them? Do you also explore 
Is it part of the partnership process to build new use cases and new features through these integrations or they just are, you know, uh, technical uh, connectors? Uh, we have uh, had partners who wanted to do something new and uh, up until now we have managed to do that easily, like just extend, add a couple of new APIs or stuff like that so that we can provide the information that we have uh, easier to them. And uh, from these ideas, we actually get ideas to what, integrate, what to integrate in our own platform as well. So, uh, yeah, we are open to any kind of integration. Uh, so we are all, always open to uh, seeing new ways where we can help our clients and our partners. Uh, we mm, mostly never say no to any new idea uh, because um, due to the framework of our, um, our infrastructure, it's pretty easy to extend. We've had a lot of partners want to integrate or do new use cases with their own applications. And we always manage to integrate that uh, easily. We also provide support to uh, do, I don't know, deeper integrations and integrate parts of our uh, either our data or even our front-end components in other applications. So uh, we are very uh, flexible on that front. Bogdan, how do you identify, you as a team, I mean, uh, the right partner? Uh, what are the, the criteria that you need to see and uh, to decide and uh, say, okay, let's do business with, uh, with them. Uh, they have complementary value or whatever. What are the, the criteria that they need to, to meet in order to become potential partners for, uh, for Coda? Well, first of all, uh, a potential partner for Coda should be open-minded and like not just act, uh, fixated on the profit, for example. Uh, yeah, profit is important, but you also have to have the client experience in mind. You have to have the uh, technical side in mind so that you know uh, what can be done or what can't be done. And if the technical team, for example, says that, I know this takes six months, then it takes a year. No, it doesn't take two months, if you know what I'm saying. So um, we also uh, like to have partners who understand the development process in a startup, which isn't always uh, smooth. There are a lot of bumps and uh, uh, wrinkles to iron out. But all of our partners trust that in the end, we can deliver what we agree upon. So... Yes, it is uh, difficult uh, to find partners like this. It is difficult um, to for the for some partners to understand that hey, we are a small team. We cannot do uh, enterprise level support, for example. But our uh, our forte is the fact that we are agile, we are nimble, and we can adapt on the fly to any issues that might appear. And we can, we always try to come up with creative solutions for any issues that we have. And always our client is on the, the top priority. I, I saw that you focus on the soft elements, on the soft skills, on understanding the value of not focusing only on the profit. But what about the hard attributes that these partners need to have? Do you have a list, for example, of criteria that these partners 
should meet in order to start engaging with them. Do you, do you follow such a structured approach to go after partners or it, it starts organically and once you start engaging with the partners, you, you identify if this is the right partner or not? Well, I think we, we, we prefer to start organically because um, it's, the same, it's similar to what I think, for example, for new hires. Um, you may not know the technology, but you can learn the technology. You may not know the tech stack, but you can learn the tech stack. But we can only do that if we are in the same mindset. Like if you are uh, very stuck in your own way of thinking and not willing to adapt, to uh, focus on something else, for example, or uh, to uh, accept a new way of solving a problem, that's a lot harder to fix than, I don't know, you using C-sharp and uh, us using Python. Because there are ways to go to overcome technical challenges. There are very few ways to overcome social challenges. Yeah, I got you. And I couldn't agree more. Um, and who is from your team or from a small team, a similar small team, um, who is the right person to lead this partnership? Is it the CEO? Is it someone else that you have in the team? Or is there any, any playbook that you have followed that you could recommend uh, to the founders who, who listen to us? Uh, we we initially uh, had all this communication go through Chris, uh, but this quickly proved to be uh, overwhelming. <laughs> so uh, we actually set up a small team uh, which can handle uh, any partnership or contact requests, and uh, we have them all under our contact address. So contact at codaintelligence.com, and that gets to the right people. <laughs> And who is leading this process? Do you have any head of partnerships? Do you have a head of biz dev, business development? How, how does it work in terms of, you know, the plan internally in, uh, in your team? Uh, we do have a head of partnerships, which uh, make sure that new clients and existing clients uh, are taken care of. But uh, after the initial talk and after we get the, the structure for the partnership, then we hand it over to uh, either the development team, if development is evolved, or the sales team, if what we have is perfect for them and we can forward it and get the ball, the ball rolling. Who has been, uh, who has been the, the most successful partnership that you have built so far? Um, if you want to share the, the name, or, I mean, but the, this is not the point. The thing is that I would like to unpack this partnership um, uh, thing, this partnership element, because as far as I understood, that's the secret of your success. Uh, and that's the secret of a success of a company being in uh, Romania and uh, serving many, many different customers in the US. So I would like to unpack this a little bit more and understand, for example, who... Is who was or who is at the moment the best partners partner that you have, and uh, how do you manage to make the most out of this uh, partnership? Well, I don't know if I can share any names, uh, but uh, we do have a large a large partner who has been uh, with us uh, since basically the beginning. They have uh, done a lot to integrate our product in their portfolio. And uh, they always help us a lot with um, new feature ideas or 
debugging a lot of issues. They always uh, provide technical or uh, I don't know sales or marketing support uh, whenever they feel like we struggle with something. So, uh, yeah. If, if I had to summarize, allow me this term. If I had to summarize the ICP on a partnership level, um, what would be the criteria? Someone who is in your domain, a bigger player like, like you with a bigger customer base, probably with a customer success and customer support and sales team bigger than yours uh, and understanding your technology, but having, uh, but, but without having built something internally. Is this the, the ideal customer partnership profile if you want? Yes, yes, you, you got that right. <laughs> I'm trying to, to create a persona for uh, the founders who, who listen to us because I have been in this position. You know, many founders and many investors and many uh, business persons always talk about the importance of building partnerships. But um, usually founders, you know, um, uh, lack the knowledge, miss the path on how they will go after the partners. Uh, are we talking about channel partners? Are we talking about integration partners? What is the ideal partner? Is it about doing a partnership with Microsoft or someone in a little bit uh, smaller uh, size that can understand you and you know uh, have the the empathy also to to feel you as a, as a smaller co- uh, company? Um, we know that especially during the last two three year two three years, security has become you know uh, something very amazing, something very important. We have seen that the security companies, uh, the software security companies, are growing uh, very, very fast. Um, what do you see? What do you think about this uh, this trend? Do you think that this is a hype that after one or two years will just you know uh, normalize, or do you think that this thing is something that is growing? The um, the need for security uh, software solutions. Well. Uh... I think 2020 showed us that uh, cybersecurity is uh, more important than ever before. Um, Our lives are depending on technology more and more every day. So I feel like uh, the only way, uh, the only direction that cybersecurity importance can go is up. Um, We see, uh, even in shops, we see a lot of uh, automation. We see a lot of uh, computers being integrated everywhere. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was a hype with IoT. Uh, afterwards, there was the blockchain. You know about that. Uh, now everyone's talking about AI, when that poses a lot of new cybersecurity issues and uh, problems. Um, so I think that this domain is only going to get more complex and more interesting in the future. So AI will create a bigger business for you. This is this is what you're saying, and this is actually actually my understanding as well. So AI probably will help you build a better product, but at the same time will create a bigger market for you. Yes, and uh, the thing with AI is that uh, you can use a hammer to uh, put in a nail, or you can use a hammer to I don't know wreck someone's car. Uh, and I think we we should be very careful with the way we as an industry, we should be very careful with the, with the way we integrate AI because I feel like a lot of people, even though there's research done on it for 
more than 20, 30, 50 years, we do not understand it deeply enough so that we can be confident that it won't break down the line. And I think that's going to be a pain point in the next following years. And Bogdan, how how do you currently or how are you planning to incorporate AI into your offering? Do you also work with AI? Are you planning to somehow incorporate AI into your solutions? We actually already have AI integrated. Uh, We uh, use it to um, predetermine potential threats before they are notarized and indexed. Like generally in in the cybersecurity space, uh, if you want to detect a vulnerability, it has to be notarized and indexed, usually by uh, NIST, the National Institute for uh, Scientific Technologies. Thing. Uh, it's an, uh, an institution of the U.S. government who manages stuff like this, but it can take a lot of time. Like by the time where you find a vulnerability in a certain database, uh, it's been I don't know a couple of days or a week where that vulnerability has been in the wild. There have been cases where it has been months until it has been indexed. And what we do is we have a crawler who looks on all the popular blogs, websites, stuff like that, and tries to determine potential vulnerabilities and applies them as if they were integrated. And they take uh, take it into account in risk calculations and prioritization and reports. We also try, we are developing, uh, but it's uh, still in the works, a solution to automatically extrapolate a potential solution for uh, zero-day vulnerabilities like that. If you had uh, to choose one key takeaway from your journey so far, uh, key advice that you would like to share with uh, early-stage B2B SaaS founders, uh, especially the first-time founders, what this would be? Well, I would say that you have to embrace change uh, because... It's the only constant that we have. Uh, it's very easy to get locked in, uh, I don't know, your mentality, your way of doing things. And I feel like uh, working with a lot of young people and being open to hiring a lot of young people, a lot of juniors, uh, helps a lot with this. Helps a lot to see what the new kids are doing and what are they doing differently from you? And what can you learn from them? How can you adapt the new things, the newfangled, shiny AI, NFT, blockchain stuff that's coming? How can you get uh, the marketing off of that and see the core? And how can you use that to make your product better, to make your company better? Nice. Bogdan, thank you so much. For uh, for all of these listeners who would like to learn more about cybersecurity or learn more about Coda or get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? Uh, well, you can find Coda Intelligence at codaintelligence.com. That's where we have. we It's our uh, uh, homepage and you can learn all about us uh, there. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter. I don't post a lot of stuff there, but uh, you can also find me on GitHub. It's Bogdan Kalapod, just the name. Um, I also have a tech blog on GitHub pages. So yeah, that's where you find me. 
Perfect. Bogdan, thank you so much. It was a blast. Thank you. Thank you as well.